Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is the suffering servant. As I said in my first message, Dr. Martin Luther said he requires three things of a pastor or a competent preacher. One, to get up. Two, to say something worthwhile. And three, no one to stop. If you notice in your bulletin, there's a little tan sheet. I'll do this for my messages. Uh, there will be a, a Bible verse. I call it the biblical gem of the day, as well as a quote from Dr. Martin Luther. And both of these capture the essence of my sermon for that day. And if you wish, if you want to, you can take notes. Are you the type of person who believes that God has divinely ordered so many days for us to live on earth? Are you the type of person who believes that God has given us so many days to live on earth, and when those days are done, God will call us home? Do you believe that? I hear that a lot at funerals. Well, their days are up. They live the number of days that God had designed, and now God is calling them home. Hezekiah was a very righteous and godly king, and he wanted to live more days, so... He consulted with the prophet Isaiah and they prayed to God and God gave them 15, God gave him 15 more years of days to live. Because when I think about life, the more I think about life is that God has given you and I days. We basically, in this life, we basically have days. And I think the scriptures will, I think the scriptures will echo that. This is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Do not the sun or the day go down in your anger. I believe that God has given us days. Do not worry about tomorrow for each what? Day has enough trouble of its own. We belong to the day. Christians are called those who belong to the day. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God finished his work and rested his morning and evening. The seventh day, God called his days of creation day. And finally, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a what? Day. God has given us days. There was a very wise teenager being sort of smarty, alecky with his father. And he came up to his father and said, said, Dad, is it true that to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day? And his father said, yes, that's true. To God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And the smart alky son said, well, I was thinking, Dad, if a day is like a thousand years to God, then maybe a dollar is like a thousand dollars to God. Maybe so. And so he looked at his father and said, Dad, how about if you give me a dollar? You know, his father said to him, in a day. But I believe that God has given us days. Talking about days, have you been there? Noah's Ark. It's in Williamsville, Kentucky, about three and a half hours drive from here. Uh, it's an exact replica of Noah's Ark. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you are on the Ark. I just wonder if you've been to the Ark. But that's an exact replica of the Ark. Uh, about $40, $45. Maybe I'll have to take a field trip there. I went there last spring with some confirmation students. A wonderful experience. But if you look at the ark, everything points to the door. Look at the ark, everything points to the door. Because the whole ark, when it's being built for years and decades, all pointed to the door because there came a day when that door went shut. That whole ark being constructed 
was designed for a specific day. See the door there? What happened that day? And thanks to our faithful secretary, Noah his sons and his wives entered into the ark with all the animals as God commanded Noah, and God shut them in. That whole ark was completed for the one day when God shut them in, and we all know what happened. And whether you were Michael Phelps or not, it didn't matter. If you weren't on the ark, it wasn't good. That ark is all about the single day when God brought judgment to the wicked and mercy and grace to his people. It was about a day. See, I believe all that we have are days. See, we have joyous days. I think you remember them. Do you remember the day you got married? The day she said yes? The day you got the promotion? The day the Cleveland Browns won the Super Bowl? Oh, wait, that, hasn't, that, day, hasn't, that day hasn't come yet, okay? I'm still waiting. Uh, do you remember the day you got a pay raise? A day when you bought your dream home? There are joyous days that you and I recall. The birth of a grandchild. No, I, that's not, I'm not announcing that now. A day when your son or daughter was born. And we remember those days. However, we also remember sad days. And in some ways, those sad days we remember more than we do the joyous days. You know what I'm talking about. The day when you got a phone call and your loved one is diagnosed with cancer. The day that maybe a sheriff or police officer came to your home and delivered bad news. A day when maybe someone came up to you and says, I don't love you anymore. A day when the boss says we're downsizing and we're going to have to let you go. A day when the diagnosis for cancer came in. Or any other sort of tragedy. We all remember those days. Even more so than joyous days. Can you recall some of them? I do. 15, 20, 30 years ago, we all recall those days. Because in the gospel lesson today, Jesus refers back to two very sad days. Two tragic days. The first day was that Pontius Pilate, sort of an egotistical maniac, he killed some worshipers of Yahweh because he really didn't understand who God was. And the second day was when a tower fell on a bunch of innocent men and 18 people died. We all know about sad days. What happened last week in New Zealand? What's happened the past days, even though we don't hear about it in West Africa, but 140 Christians have been martyred? What's happening in Nebraska? Or last summer, when that duck, that recreational duck flipped over in Missouri. And those days are always upon us, and we don't know what the news is going to bring us, and we don't know the type of phone call we're going to get, because those days are constant, consistent, and catastrophic. So the question is, how do we interpret those days? I'm not talking about the joyous days. I'm talking about those sad and tragic days. How do we interpret that? Well, the Pharisees and arrogance viewed those days as those people are worse sinners than they. I know why the tower fell on those people, Jesus. They are bad sinners. I know why Pontius killed those people. They are bad sinners. I know why the flood's happening in Nebraska. Because Nebraska's gone away from God and it happened to them. And I can tell you what happened in New Zealand. They just weren't the right type of believers. And I know what happened when Katrina came into New Orleans. Well, you know. New Orleans with the beads and Mardi Gras. Those are really bad sinners. And that's why what happened. That's what the Pharisees thought. 
The Pharisees thought that bad days came because people were bad and lousy sinners. Some people say this. Some people say, well, it's just karma. I know where that bad day happened to you. You had it coming to you. Remember what you were like as a kid? Remember what you did when you were 24? It's karma. Karma comes around. What goes around what? Comes around. That's why you had those days. It's just simply karma. I believe in karma. You had it coming to you. For some people, in their apathy, says, well, life just stinks. That's why it happens. You ever see a bumper sticker that says, life stinks? Deal with it? Life's really bad? Life's miserable. This is how some people view those painful, hard days. But for us, the question is, how does Jesus view those days? Well, Jesus says we live in a sinful, fallen world, and bad day stuff happens to both the just and the unjust. I don't know why it's flooding in Nebraska. I don't know why that car accident took place. I don't know why the sheriff had to come to your house. I don't know why 50 people got shot. I don't know why those duck boats tipped over in Missouri. But we live in a sinful, fallen world, and bad things happen. But Jesus also says this. Jesus says, if anyone denies, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. You see, those days come to us because Jesus gives us a cross to carry. See, a TV preacher says this, I can take away your cross. Jesus says, I will give you a cross. The TV preacher says, I'll take it away. If anyone comes after me, deny yourself and pick up your cross. TV preacher says every day can be a Friday. TV preacher says you can have your best life right now. TV preacher says that you can be happy and popular and wealthy and you'll have a lot of fun and life will be great. And that's why TV preachers pack stadiums. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, everyone come after me, let them what? Pick up your cross. So what is a cross? Basically the same thing. Lose your life find it in me. So what's a cross? Well, a cross is a burden that you and I carry when we haven't done anything wrong. A cross is maybe an illness or a diagnosis or a grief or persecution at work because I'm nice to everyone and I do my job. A cross is somehow a burden or a grief or a pain that I carry and I haven't done anything wrong. And God gave me and God gave to you that cross those crosses. In carrying a cross, God is for us, Christ is for us, I am for you, you are for me, and we are for one another. When I was a vicar, it was typical to have vicars go out and preach at mission churches in Ohio and Indiana. And the routine was, on Saturday we'd drive to a mission church and we were handed a, a stack of three by five cards and we'd visit people going to that mission church. And so I went one time on a weekend to a mission church and I got a stack of three by five cards and one of the calls said, these people have been to church but they're very angry and not sure they want to go back to church. So only by the Holy Spirit was I led to go to that house and the family was somewhat reluctant to have me there. You can tell they're a little bit angry. And the Holy Spirit sort of kept my mouth shut. He simply asked, you seem angry with the church. What's happening? And they shared with me, they said, well, you see, a couple months ago, 
Our son was killed in a tragic car accident. And we went to this mega church with this dynamic, charismatic pastor. We went to the mega church with great bands and a very charismatic and dynamic pastor. And when our son died in a tragic car accident, that dynamic, caring, that dynamic, charismatic, exuberant pastor came up to us and said, I know why your son died in that car crash. You know why your son died in that car crash? You know why? Because he just didn't have enough faith. That's why he died. That's just a really bad thing to say. Very painful thing to say. Your son died because he didn't have enough faith? If God was going to give us something because he didn't have enough faith, like a boulder would have fell on me like 50 years ago. This is a very terrible thing to say. Let me see if it gets back up. But what? Then I shared this. I'm very sorry that happened. You've been given a cross. But God is for you. Christ is for you. I'm for you. You're for me and we're what? For one another. We can carry each other crosses. That's why God gives us crosses. Over the years, people have given me crosses as a pastor. And these sort of like represent crosses that we carry. And this cross came from North Carolina. One of our members had to do utility work down there. And there's a retired man. And he carved this out of walnut. It's very beautiful. And sometimes you're given a cross like this. It's really small. It doesn't seem like much. But it's very fragile. We don't know how to carry it. And sometimes you and I have burdens, crosses that we carry. We're not sure how to take it around. It's very fragile. We're sometimes in very difficult situations. It's not a major cross, but still something we carry. And here's another cross. And this is cross sort of special because it's made with cypress wood from the Holy Land. On the outside, it doesn't look like much. It just looks like a simple cross. But it's special wood because it comes from the Holy Land. And sometimes you and I, we carry special crosses with special burdens that don't look like much to others. And this is another cross somebody gave me. It had the 23rd Psalm on it. It's really beautiful. And sometimes we carry a cross, and on the outside... We might look nice and happy, but behind this cross is an open space. And sometimes the crosses we carry, we carry burdens and pains and hurts and griefs from the past that sort of get backed up in the cross. And griefs and hurt, and sometimes people have stomped all over us. Or maybe some things have happened to us that we just don't seem as fair, and we carry the cross. And sometimes, here's another cross, and this was made for me by a an officer in the Air Force. And this looks like a really beautiful cross, but he made it by hand, and, and he routed the wood here. It looks really nice. But when you route wood, you sort of burn it. And sometimes the cross we carry, we've been burned by bad situations in, in life. And over time, we learn to make it look really nice. And sometimes crosses, this isn't my cross, sometimes crosses are so big we can't carry it by ourselves. And sometimes God replaces and gives us different crosses throughout our life. People say, why did God give me this cross? Well, when you and I are given a cross, we learn patience. We learn humility. We bear that cross and we become more empathetic. We become more caring. We become the people we could never have been if we didn't carry that cross. Why crosses? Can you read this with me? Go ahead. We. So 
when we're given when we're given a cross we become more Christ-like. So how's Jesus for you these days? Sorry. These days are a constant reminder of the day to come. Just like the day the ark went shut, so will it be on the last day, judgment day. The crosses we carry and the burdens we bear remind us of judgment day to come. I'd like to take you back to the ark, but instead of showing you the outside of that door that went shut, I want to show you the inside. Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will perish. Here's the inside. Do you see? That's a friend of mine. Do you see what's put on the inside of that cross? On the inside of the door is what? A cross. And yours truly? And a cross for you. Jesus says, repent. Simply come to me. Repent. Ask me to forgive you and I will. Because when we carry our cross... Jesus always has an open door for us. So how about this for a closing thought? Can we say it together? Today, your door is open, and all who enter in shall find a Father's welcome and pardon from their sin. No questions shall be asked us how often we have come. Although we oft have wandered, it is our Father's home. And all God's people say...